right, then today my guest is Jonathan Phoenix. He is a podcaster and storyteller. And today he's going to talk about a paranormal encounter that he has had. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I am uh, the Carolina Storyteller. Uh, I uh, do host the podcast, Let Me Tell You a Story, where I do share a lot of uh, legends and uh, paranormal happenings and some true crime stories. Um, but I also am a writer. I also do uh, I also do writing of scary stories. I have a book out, uh, Red Coats which is based on some of the paranormal experiences I had in my youth. Uh, that's, that's really good. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically what I do is I like to tell scary stories and uh, share them with people. I like to learn about what's happened and then uh, kind of spread the word. Awesome. So when I, I, what I did was I put a message out on Reddit and uh, you asking for people who had paranormal experiences and, you reached out to me and uh, you said you had an experience in a graveyard. So uh, let's hop into that. What exactly happened to you? Well, like I said, I grew up in Georgetown, South Carolina. And in the middle of Georgetown, there's uh, this uh, church with a large graveyard that takes up basically a whole city block. Um, the church is on, you know, the one corner of it. And then the rest of it is just graveyard. Um, and, it's just this massive graveyard and it's been there since the 1600s. There are graves in there from, I believe 1695. Oh, wow. Um, now Georgetown wasn't established then, but the church and the graveyard were there. It was just before Georgetown was established. So this graveyard is actually older than the town. Of course, much older than this country. It's a very, a lot of old souls there. So my friend, uh, I'm just going to say he's my best friend. Uh, I am staying the night with him one night and it's me, him, his brother, his cousin. We're all hanging out with his dad and he's got the coolest dad ever. His dad would teach us to play poker and tell us all kinds of stories. And somehow the idea of a midnight graveyard walk came up. So at 11.59, we're walking out the door and making our way down the street to this graveyard, which is not very far from his house. And uh, we go in, and the dad tours us around the graveyard, telling us some of the stories uh, for some of the spirits in the graveyard, uh, soldiers that had died in certain wars. Uh, oh, there's one story that he tells us about the graveyard, uh, about um, uh, this lady who was walking past it, at night and something snatched her into the graveyard she screamed and by the time the police got there they found the old caretaker holding the top half of her body oh wow and they kind of blew him away oh wow before they could even find out um the old caretaker was uh if you remember lenny from of mice and men yeah he's you know, kind of slow he was kind of slow but he was big you know, big gentle giant. Um, so they just assumed that he had somehow done that, but later they found out he was innocent and they still to this day don't know what happened to the poor woman. Uh, just know that her would be savior was murdered afterwards. Um, but then the challenge is issued to the kids, well, to the four of us 
for someone to walk the entire graveyard from the gate around the entire fence line of the graveyard and then back around to the gate by the church. And um, at first, nobody wants to go. And then uh, my best friend's brother says he'll go if the cousin will go with him. And they don't even get a quarter of the way through. They don't even get the first leg done before something freaks them out and they jump over the fence. Uh, they come running back around and then it's my best friend's turn. And he gets to about the same spot and he jumps over the fence. Oh, wow. And now I'm, I'm, I'm the last, last man standing and I'm like 11, 12 years old. I've never, you know, done anything like this before, but I can't not do it because they've all done it. You know, it's that peer pressure thing when you're a young man. It's it's the stupidity of being a young man. And so I start making the walk. Um, but I've, I've also got this chip on my shoulder because not only am I the last one and, and the only one that hasn't done it so far, but I'm also like the odd man out a lot of times. So I wanted to show off. So when I get around to where they were all jumping from, there's this mausoleum. And the mausoleum just happens to be where the old caretaker is buried. And I guess something about it scared them. But I refused to let it scare me. So I walked around the mausoleum, um, kind of not paying much attention to it. And then I walked down the next leg all the way to I was halfway done. I was on the uh, third leg walking back and I could see the gate on the far end by the church. And I hear something behind me. Well, kind of behind me and up to where the mausoleum was. And I turn around and I look and I see this guy. I can't really make out any features. It's just a big bulking guy kind of, shambling towards me pointing at me and, and sounds like he's trying to yell or something and i just get pissed off because i assume that my friends didn't want me to make it and somebody's trying to scare me um i didn't really pay much attention because uh i could see my best friend and his brother and his dad and his cousin was definitely not as big as this thing was. None of them were as big as this thing was. You know, they were all five, eight, five, nine, you know, around that height. And this thing was over six foot. It was huge. And uh, so I turn around and I yell and scream at it, um, basically roaring. And then I turn back around, flip it off, and I continue walking. Um, now this of course apparently freaked everybody out because they all go running off the other way to try and catch up to me and as I'm coming up around the side of the church I, I'm almost done with the walk my best friend's dad is is running up to me grabbing me by the shoulders are you okay are you okay what the hell was that I'm like that was you no it wasn't and he drags me out of the graveyard and the other three boys are sitting on the curb across the street and they all look terrified. And I'm still like, okay, who was the joker? Who's in the graveyard? That wasn't funny. And they're like, no, that wasn't us. And more. Because now I feel like they're lying to me. I did not believe at all that it wasn't them. Um, 
So I'm like, I'm going to prove that it was you guys because if it's not you guys, it's still going to be in there. And I go walking back across the street to step into the graveyard. And my best friend's dad is like right behind me trying to stop. me. He's trying to get his hands on me. And um, I set foot on the sidewalk right outside the graveyard. My foot comes down on the sidewalk and the scream comes out of the graveyard. It's like nothing I've ever heard before or since. It is just this loud, high pitched scream. And I was frozen for about half a second. And in that half a second, everybody else took off running. And then I realized I was alone. They were running and I needed to get out of there. So I took off running, um, caught up past them, made it into the house and upstairs before they got to the house. I mean, I was, I was done. Uh, when, when I realized that everybody else was booking it, I needed to book it too. Um, but I've never found out to this day what that was. I've, I've seen, uh, mysterious things at that graveyard when i walked by it at night because i used to live in the same neighborhood so i'd walk my dog past it. you know seen things that look like shadows move and i've always wondered but i've never again heard that sound and of course i've never again seen the figure because i've never been out there at one at one o'clock in the morning running around the graveyard oh man yeah you know graveyards that's something i try to stay away from it seems like a lot of uh, supernatural energy kind of hangs around graveyards, you know, especially at nighttime. You know, I've never had a paranormal experience, but I remember my grandfather telling me a story about how one time at night he was driving past this graveyard. Um, and this graveyard is on the right side of the street. And this has this wall that's maybe about like six feet or so. Um, like a stone wall. And he said he was driving down the street and he saw like this woman who was wearing all white, like a old school kind of like. He's seen a woman in white. Oh my yeah. God. Yes. That, that is a, that is one of the biggest phenomenons that actually uh, I, I, I've heard of that phenomenon. I actually have experienced that myself. Oh yeah. And it is the weirdest thing because I, I can't explain it. And, um, yeah, the woman in white phenomenon is it's very um it's very freaky when you go through it. So yeah, I I can totally that's it's not a it, it always happens near or near or around graveyards or places where somebody has died and um these women are usually tied there by some kind of tragedy that they personally experienced. And um uh, typically, uh, occasionally, they will get into cars with drivers oh, wow. um, and uh, ask them to take them somewhere and then in the middle of the journey vanish or disappear. But they're always tied to a tragedy and usually it's related to a child and their death at the same time. That's they're wild. concurrent with their death, uh, typically suicide. Hmm. Yeah, so, so typically, they lose a child and then they kill themselves. That's wild, man. So you, you said uh, the place Georgetown, South Carolina, is one of the most haunted places in America. And yes. uh, so can you tell me more about that? Um, and so are there are like a lot of uh, paranormal sightings like in that area. 
Um, not only are there are a lot of paranormal sightings in that area, there are a lot of ghosts and legends in the area. Um, Georgetown was, like I said, it's a, it was established back in the early 1700s. It's not as old as Charleston, um, but it's close. And for a while, it was like Charleston's sister city on the South Carolina coast. It was the second largest port in South Carolina for the longest time. You know, um, it's built on Winya Bay, which is this massive bay that opens up into the ocean. And then it has three rivers that feed into it that offered uh, that offered trade routes to the upper part of the state. So um, before shipping got into these massive ships, when it was smaller boats, uh, people were coming in and out of that area all the time. Um, and actually, um, the PD and the PD Black River splits into two more rivers up the way. So technically it's four rivers that feed into it. Uh, the Sandpit, the PD, the Black, and the Waccamaw. And each of them go in a different direction. Um, Charleston, of course, is fed by the Ashley and the Cooper. And it has a massive harbor. And that's, this is what made these places so popular in the early stages of this country because everything was coming in by boat. And then going out. And if they could take a waterway to move supplies further, that was that much better. So Georgetown rapidly grew into a city. Um, and uh, around the time of the Revolutionary War, the British took it over. So it was held by the British during the Revolutionary War. Um, and this is where you start getting a lot of the ghost stories. We have... Uh, in South Carolina, we have the legend of a man named Francis Marion, the Swamp Fox. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yeah, uh, he, was, he was a famous uh, Revolutionary War general. Um, and I'm not going to go into all the bad things about him. But he um, had fought the Indians before in the French and Indian War, just before the Revolutionary War. So he had fought alongside the Waccamaw tribe, which, as I said, the Waccamaw River. And I can't remember what Indians, I think it was the Iroquois or something, but he had fought and he had learned their tactics. And these tactics um, are now what we consider guerrilla warfare. Huh. Um, striking, striking, uh, from, striking in small bands, from hidden outposts, you know, using um, nature and trees and the swamp to your advantage. It's why he was called the swamp box. He would strike, you know, he would strike the weak, the weaker military targets. He wouldn't go after, you know, the line of the army. He'd hit the supply chain that was coming through with uh, food and goods. Uh, and he'd hit it in the middle of the road, in the middle of the swamp somewhere, and then be gone just like old Robin Hood. Hmm. You know, he was, he was great at these tactics. He would attack at night during a time when they didn't do that, you know. War yeah. back then was, okay, everybody line up, grab your guns. Okay, now we're going to shoot first, and then you guys are going to shoot. Are you ready? Bang. Bang. And you'd go back and forth. I mean, war was not war. It was it had rules back then. Yeah, which yeah. was always funny to me how they used to do it back then. It's like, how do you agree to that, you know? It's just so funny. Like, Well, I don't think anybody had ever thought not to agree to that, you know? You would march in, you know, and, and you know, the, these these guns were new. And, you know, this was how armies would meet. We're going to have the armies meet here, and this will be where the battle is held, and the armies will fight. We'll be at this side, we'll be at that side, and we'll rush in. 
you know, it was meant to contain, you know, you weren't supposed to have the battle in the middle of a city. That's something that Raiders and uh, Vikings do. But, of course, these tactics in modern war are very common. Uh, they weren't common back then, but Francis Marion used them to weaken the British foothold in this area. And because of how brutal his tactics were, um, where he actually was based, the people that knew what he was doing were afraid to say anything because they thought they'd ki- that he'd kill him. Yeah. The people that were supporting him weren't going to say anything because, well, he was doing the good. He was doing the good thing. Um, but the people that didn't support him were scared that he was going to come for them because he didn't. If you were supporting the British crown, if he thought you were supporting the British crown, you were on his list. You know, he wasn't, he was um, behind enemy lines. He had a small, small group of men. And he was just playing these uh, guerrilla Rambo warfare games. And basically, that's where a lot of your ghost stories in this area come from, because Georgetown was the uh, British hub. He was hitting there a lot. So there are homes there that are haunted by spirits of British soldiers. There are places where British soldiers supposedly haunt and walk and people are like, oh, yeah, I've seen this over here. Um and, and so you've got maybe a dozen of these ghosts out there. Uh, one of the more famous is the Wedgefield Sentry. He's a ghost who was uh, left on post while everybody else was at a party. Oh, wow. And in the middle of the night, he hears hoofbeats coming back. He thinks it's all his friends coming back from the party. Nope, it's Francis Marion and his men. One of them comes off and lops his head off. Ooh. He was guarding. Uh, he was guarding basically their prison and they wanted to get the prisoners out. So they just rode through and took the sentry's head off, left him laying there in the middle of the street. And now his ghost walks the street where he was no killed. Help. Yep. And you know, this is just, this is the first instance of where we start getting stories. Then of course we have, um, stories like, um, Theodosia Burr, Aaron Burr's daughter, she um, danced at a house on Front Street in Georgetown in 1812 um, the night before she was supposed to board a ship and meet her father. She had not mm-hmm. seen her father for several years. It was during the War of 1812. So, you know, there were some issues there. Um, the next day she boarded the ship uh, called the Patriot and the ship vanished, never to be heard from again. Um, but her ghost supposedly still haunts the house where she last danced, which was owned by her husband, who was the governor of South Carolina. What do they think happened to the ship? There are so many theories raided by pirates sunk by the French. This was during the um, war of 1812. So we had the Canadians and the British coming back to try and retake America. It was kind of one of those things where they didn't know, um what happened to it but there are theories and rumors there was supposedly a painting of her that showed up uh later on of her much older 
Um, there was a pirate that claimed he had taken her and kept her as his wife, and they had lived to a ripe old age and had children, um, and she was safe uh, somewhere in the Caribbean. There were so many rumors that came out of it, but there was never any evidence to corroborate any of them. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but are you looking to reach a dynamic and engaged audience of curious minds? Well, look no further. Bright Brains Podcast is the perfect platform to showcase your business or product. You'll be able to reach a diverse and intelligent audience and engage with listeners passionate about personal development, technology, and more. Elevate your brand through thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss this opportunity to promote your business on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the market. Contact us today to discuss advertising options and elevate your brand to the next level. Contact us at brightbrainspod at gmail.com to secure your advertising spot on Bright Brains today. Again, that's Bright Brains with a Z, pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, American history is so deep and vast. You know, there's so much, uh, you know, so many stories that aren't really recorded. I never heard any of this before, but it's definitely yeah. something more to look into. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts about, like, what ghosts are? You know, do you have any theories about it? Uh, I think that uh, what we call ghosts are any number of things. Um, I think that energy can either be created or destroyed. That is a scientific fact. And I think that as luminous beings that we are, we have our own energy inside of us, you know, and we put that energy forth out into the world. And I think there are times that if you put enough energy into a place, some of that energy remains. And I think sometimes what we see are echoes. And that's why only certain people see it. That's why only certain people feel it. Um, because those people are attuned to that energy. Other times, it is perhaps something that has um, decided it's not going anywhere. For whatever reason, it has tied itself to that place. Um, a valid instance is whatever happened to me in that graveyard. Um, I, I truly fear that there... Uh, uh, it may be that caretaker from way back when who's still watching over that graveyard um, and that he's tied to that place because of the tragedy of his death. And because, you know, as a, as a human, like you said, he was a little slow. So he might not have registered. He was, he might not have registered his death uh, in, in the afterlife. Right. Yeah. And so he's still trying to take care of that place. Um. And still other times, uh, maybe we're just getting parts of a person, you know, just, just their last intent, maybe. Um, you know, and I don't think all of these, uh, I don't think everything is a ghost or a spirit. And I don't think any, everything, um, a lot of people say they feel maliciousness. And I'm like, I don't know that it's malicious. Um, a lot of times we misinterpret things. Uh, for instance, um, the incident I had in the graveyard way back then, I thought something was trying to kill me. Um, 
but as I as I grew up and as I started reading more and learning more, uh, whatever happened there, it was probably not trying to hurt me. It was probably trying. It was probably more scared of me than I was of it. It wanted yeah. me to go away. It wanted us to go away. It, it wanted to be left alone. And you know, if there is some sentience to them, I, I don't think they're always necessarily these malicious uh these malicious creatures now i know there are uh entities out there that appear to be malicious and it's quite possibly they are but i think you kind of got to learn the history learn the story and look at it with a a objective view because sometimes it's not what it seems yeah i see what you mean you know my theory is that you know so I don't know if you're religious at all, but my theory is that, you know, we all have a soul, right? And I think that, like, when you die of natural causes, like, maybe your soul goes through this process where, like, it transitions to the afterlife. But if somebody is killed, like, in a sudden manner, like how you explained about that caretaker, how he was shot uh, violently just out of the blue, I think that maybe it kind of, like, stops that transition process and that like your soul is kind of like energy and it doesn't really transfer over to the afterlife and it gets stuck here you know well that that's exactly what i mean by we're luminous beings we have a soul we have energy there is something that differentiates us from most other forms of life Mm -hmm. um and it is within it's within ourselves we have we have this uh inner power and we can even you know, share pieces of it with others in, in how we act and how we treat them. Um, you know, we have we have the ability to do things outside of the nature of our best interest to protect others. Firefighters, police officers, soldiers who, who are out there, you know, trying to defend and save others' lives. This isn't something that, you know, you don't see your typical, uh, you know, uh, cat deciding it's going to run in and save other kittens. Now, sometimes you do hear about this, but it is not as common an occurrence as it is with humans who will uh, risk their lives for other humans um, and risk their lives, not only for other humans, but for animals, for, you know, we have that, we have that innate ability to put aside all of our instincts, all of our urges we have the ability to control all of that and force ourselves to do something that would be against our better, that would be against nature, which is basically to protect ourselves and keep ourselves alive. And that says a lot for, you know, humanity that we have the power for good. And because we have that, we have that energy within us that keeps us mobile, such as communicate and connect with people and form these connections like we, we form all over the world. And that energy, you know, and I call it energy because you call it, some people call it a soul. Some people call it, you know, something else. I think that energy stays with us throughout our lives. And sometimes we might leave a little piece of that energy, you know, you might leave it somewhere. Something massive may happen. And some of that energy, maybe it's not just your energy. Maybe there's six people in the same place at the same time experiencing the same thing. And that energy stays in that spot. And then other times, like you said, after death, 
when that energy is supposed to go to wherever it's supposed to go, when we're supposed to transition from this phase of our existence to the next, something stops that. And I don't think it's something that anybody can fix. It's just, this is what's happened. And that is what you have. And I think those are the things that people see as ghosts mainly as either an energy that's left over um, that has, you know, been left from an event, something that was emotionally charged. There was a lot of event energy and the environment literally just kind of absorbed it and held it. And then on the other case, you have someone who has died um, and for whatever reason has become tethered to this world. Yeah, it's pretty deep. Um, you know, so this experience you had as a as a child, it was uh, pretty. It, it affected you. Um, I'm I'm assuming. And did from that point on, did you always have an interest in the paranormal? Yeah, I always. Um, it's where I. It's where I got my. You know, I've always wanted to hear ghost stories and and. Uh, I listen to storytelling. I've always liked looking at places that are supposedly haunted and uh, check in and going by and checking them out. Um, I've always been into the paranormal shows. You know, the I've, it's kind of turned my ear up and it's made me read and research and learn more uh, about, um, you know, this really, uh, you know, para, para science, which, you know, a lot of people don't even recognize it's made me it's kept me interested in it you know it wasn't uh so driving that i made my entire life around it but it, it was kind of an interest and hobby of mine off to the side that um helped me get a lot of stories yeah yeah and uh you definitely seem to have a lot to draw from in uh south carolina so earlier you said you had like uh, a couple of different uh paranormal experiences as a child is there another one that you want to share um so there is uh this place called uh, old gun church that is out um towards uh plantersville it's it's you know of course it's another old church a story behind it is that during it was constructed during the civil war and so construction was put on hold for several years. But during its construction, uh, one of the builders, who was an extremely cruel and uh, unjust uh, taskmaster, was working atop the steeple at the roof at the roof of the steeple, and he fell off. Oh wow! And um, fell to his death, supposedly. And on his way down, supposedly he cursed everyone um and there there are two versions of the story one version is that he fell and hit and uh died instantly but the other is that when he landed he was still alive but his workers were so scared of him because of how cruel he was they ran because they thought he was going to punish them for his mistake and so they left him to lay there and die either way the church has experienced a whole lot of uh horrible things happening over the hundreds of years that it was there well 100 or so years that it was there all culminating in the uh church burning to the ground and the only thing being left is that steeple wow and um 
you know, me and my friends used to think, oh, this is a place to go because supposedly the steeple is haunted. And so we, we went out there one night and, um, we're, we're looking around and, uh, it was me, uh, a friend of mine named Jen and a couple other people. And we're watching this place and it, it gets really late. And all of a sudden we can hear what sounds like somebody yelling. And we all turn and look and we see what looks like somebody moving around in the steeple. And we swore we saw somebody fall. Oh, wow. And, you know, we can't, there, there's the steeple six foot out and then there's a fence, a chain link fence around it to keep people from going in there and messing with it. Now it says it's to trying to preserve the steeple so that it doesn't collapse. Um, but a lot of people say that it's to keep whatever's in there in because, you know, this thing burned down in the 1940s and the steeple still standing in, you know, 1997 and it's this open field and where the actual church building was, the ground has never grown grass. Mm. It's like the earth was salted or something. Yeah. Um, and, and so everybody's always thought the place was cursed and, you know, so it became a hot spot for kids going out and trying to find things. And now kids have gone out and vandalized this again. Um, there used to be a legend that if you stole a brick from Old Gun Church, you'd die before you'd make it down the road. Um, I never tried stealing a brick because I didn't want to die. But supposedly in the 70s, some kids stole a brick and uh, they crashed their car. Oh, and the wow. brick made it back to the church. So um, yeah, that's why we went out to explore. We thought, well, we're not going to touch a brick, so we'll be fine. But um, there was always creepy sounds and noises out there. And we'd see lights in the trees and not know what they were. And uh, that night, yeah, we definitely saw something up in the tower. And we heard yelling from up there. And... Uh, uh, it was a group of friends, and we all packed up and got the hell out of there. <laughs> I can't blame you. <laughs> man, I, I would have been out of there at Liquidy Split as soon as I saw that. Yeah, yeah. man, it's, it's strange. I feel like there's a, a ton of unanswered questions uh, about what you know these things are, and I think that as time goes on, as science maybe develops, we'll probably be able to figure it out. I think there is like a science to this, you know, um, about what it is and one day I don't know if it'll be in our lifetime one day we'll figure it out who knows well but, uh, I mean I, th I I agree that there probably is a science to it the problem is is that science has and this has been in this past century science has embraced words like ghost, spook, specter phantasm science has embraced all of this as cuckoo crazy stuff a lot of scientists look at it as you're nuts and it's like well why is it cuckoo crazy? These are events that happen. Somebody sees something, something happens. There's nothing crazy about it. It's definitely an occurrence that people are having. Now, whether it is, you know, something that they actually experienced or something they thought they experienced, that's something that should be investigated scientifically. But to investigate it scientifically, a lot of, you know, modern, uh, a lot of modern uh, academia looks at it as it's ridiculous. The same thing with UFOs. And it's like, how is that, you know, 
we know that space is this vast thing. How is it ridiculous to look for beings of space that may have reached Earth? You know, it's not, you know, it's, it is science. You're absolutely right. And, um, you know, hopefully in our lifetime, uh, there will be advances in looking into it because uh, there are some spirits I would really like to know when they're going to show up. The gray man, for instance, is a great example. You know, he shows up before hurricanes. Gray man is a ghost that appears uh, on the South Carolina coast, shows up before hurricanes to warn people. If you see the gray man, your house is going to be protected from the hurricane. Huh. All you got to do is just get out of its way. Come yeah. back. You'll have your home. Um, and the gray man has appeared before every major hurricane that's hit South Carolina. Almost always you'll hear somebody say, I saw the gray man. He was seen before Hugo. He was seen before Florence. He was seen before Emily. He was seen before Fran. He was seen before Gaston. Um, everybody, somebody sees the gray man. And uh, it's kind of like a warning. Oh, this is really going to hit us. And they hit us. Wow. Hey, that's a, that's a <laughs> nice ghost to have, man. <laughs> we'll warn you about something. Hey, I like that. Yeah, he's but, like an alarm clock, you know. Oh, it's hurricane time. Gray man's here. Does he have like a story? Like, is he somebody that died in a hurricane? Or so his story is is that he lived. Um, where he lived is always argued. It's from Beaufort to Myrtle Beach, but he lived on the coast. He had a wife and a child, and he was a sailor. He left port and went out to uh, sea, and he was heading to Europe. And they ran into a storm that took down his ship. Um, the ship was completely lost. Of course he died and the storm was a few days out hmm. and, you know, he's supposed to be gone for weeks and his wife, um, who is already missing him comes out and she sees him on the beach standing there in the waves, the water lashing up his feet. And he tells her to go, go before the storm. And then he walks into the water and disappears. And this is the first appearance of the gray man. And of course, shortly after the storm that destroyed his ship hit the coast. And then he has since just appeared on the coast. Okay. Hurricane time to run. He's more accurate than Jim Cantori. Who's Jim Cantori. He's the guy yeah. on the weather channel that whenever you uh -huh. see him show up somewhere, that's where the hurricane's going to hit. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting, man. So yeah, South Carolina, man, it seems like uh, the the place to be if you want to run into something like that. If uh, if somebody wanted to visit South Carolina and like maybe like have like a a, a haunted kind of vacation, what are some like spots that they should go to? Like maybe like what are the top three spots if they want to like experience something like this? If you're going to come to South Carolina, uh, the top three spots are going to be Beaufort, Charleston, and Georgetown. Those are the three most haunted. Um, Charleston being uh, possibly uh, close, possibly more haunted than Georgetown, possibly less. <laughs> They're 60 miles apart from one, one another. Um, in Charleston, you have a whole bunch of old graveyards. Uh, you have the, um, the uh, cathedral there. You have uh, the old city jail. You have the Charleston Battery. You have the dungeons in Charleston. So there's a lot to experience in Charleston. 
Um, Beaufort has a whole bunch of historic homes that have ghost stories in them and historic plantations around it. Uh, in Georgetown, you've got, of course, the uh, historic homes that are haunted, uh, the graveyards there that have their uh, spiritual energies. You have things like the uh, Rice Museum Clock Tower, the Strand Theater. Um, of course, you've got the waterfront there, which has its share of spookiness. Uh, and then you've got Hobcob Barony just outside of Georgetown. Polly's Island is 15 miles to the north. And then you start getting into um, Merle's Inlet and Myrtle Beach, where you have ghosts like Alice Flagg. And Alice Flagg's grave is there. And uh, the ghost ship, Drunken Jack Island, things like that. So basically, from Beaufort to Myrtle Beach, the entire coastline is literally littered with ghosts. You cannot throw a stone and not find one. That's wild, man. Yeah, this is my first time hearing about all this, man. I've never uh, heard of a place this haunted before. It seems like it's a ghost around every corner. Well, well, the thing is, is that it's, you know, it's more locals that that know about it and more locals that care. Um, What's interesting about the area is, is that the bigger draw is you have Myrtle Beach, which is, of course, the party city beach. Um, And then you have Charleston, which is just this historic hub. And Charleston is known for its history. Um, it, you know, one of the, you have Fort Sumter, which, by the way, is haunted. Um, you have the Yorktown, which, by the way, is haunted. <laughs> uh, Patriots Point, which, by the way, is haunted. Uh, you know, Charleston is just this massive old city. It's one of the oldest ports. You know, it was established in 1697, 150 years before Atlanta, which is the biggest major city in the southeast and you know charleston has been there for way longer it has been around it's seen so much and georgetown it's been around almost as long as charleston you know beaufort just as long so these cities have been here and they've been through this experience and um getting to come down here and experience the history is more of the draw but the thing is is that with the history comes the paranormal the two of them almost always go hand in hand. And I think that's the thing that people miss is, is that while they're here wanting to view these historic homes where, um, you know, uh, Francis Marion may have stayed or Theodosia Burr may have stayed. The fact of the matter is, is that there's also a ghost story attached to Theodosia Burr. There's ghost stories attached to Francis Marion. There's ghost stories attached to John C. Calhoun and President George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. You know, all these people who are. There's um, ghost stories about George Washington? I think there is in Beaufort. I think it was in Beaufort that he stayed. Um, But, you know, it's like there's stories that are attached to all these things. You know, um, and I don't know that one very well. I've only heard it once. So I'm not going to get into that one because I might be wrong. It might be somebody else. But, you know, it's like these people have visited the city or they've been part of the city and there's stories about it. Um, and they don't get shared a lot. You know, people don't come for the ghost stories, which is, you know, great because then I get to tell the ghost stories on my podcast. <laughs> Speaking of your podcast, let's let everybody know uh, where they can find you online, uh, the name of your podcast, and just uh, just give a brief little definition of what it's about. And are you uh, also an on any other social media websites? 
So honestly, you can find everything out about me at thecarolinastoryteller.com. All together, thecarolinastoryteller.com. Um, it'll take you to the Let Me Tell You a Story podcast, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, um, anywhere I could get the podcast put out. It's there. Um, be sure to give it a listen, a like, and a review. Uh, you can also find out about my books. I am on Twitter at John Phoenix seven nine. Uh, you can also uh, go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Carolina Storyteller uh, to get exclusive content that I release there. And of course, to help support the podcast and everything else that I do. And then, of course, you can always buy a copy of my book, The Red Coats, straight from the carolinastoryteller.com. I do have another book that's out. It's been pulled so I can get a new cover for it. And then it's going to come back out. And that is Through the Flames. And that is about firefighting. Awesome. Were you a firefighter? I was actually. um, That was where I went for most of my career was I went into emergency services and firefighting. So and I am uh, I am uh, getting my master's degree as in public safety. That's awesome. I I have had a long career of safety and uh, firefighting. Awesome. Hey, well, thank you for your service. And also thank you for joining us today. This was a very eye opening an enlightening experience. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you having me on. Hey, no problem. All right, then I think we can just call it a wrap. Um, I'm definitely going to check out your website and I hope my uh, listeners do too. I hope they do too. And again, thank you so much for having me. You guys, thank you. No problem. Take care. You too. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for another enlightening conversation here on Bright Brains. I hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration to fuel your own bright ideas. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or however else you listen to this podcast. Also, we can be found on all major social media. Just type in Bright Brains with a Z. And remember, the brightest minds are those that never stop seeking knowledge.